Well, I tell you, I love this church. I love being here. I love the people. Some of y'all be working me a little bit. Y'all, y'all test that love factor a little bit. <laughs> but I love this church. And I love what the Lord is doing in Albany, Georgia. You know, and, I, and, I, and I'm not just talking about a superficial love. I'm talking about a deep, compassionate love for the people here. There's not a day that I ride around and my wife can tell you, I'm always looking out the window, seeing who I can see, seeing who's sleeping on the street, seeing who is stumbling down the street. And my heart goes out. Because how, how as a Christian can you look at those things and still remain the same? It's beyond me. And so daily I've been praying, saying, Lord, would you give me a heart of compassion for the people? Lord, would you show me, God, what true love looks like? God, will you help me to understand this? And, and I would like to, to, to invite you to this passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 9. If you could turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. I look at this Scripture, and I'm looking at the way Jesus handled people and, and, and what he did in his heart of compassion And I'm blown away, and I look at his footsteps, how he treated people, and I look at my life and saying, am I emulating the footsteps or walking in the footsteps of Jesus? This is what the passage reads. It says, seeing the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you because Jesus provides the example for us. They become just like him, to walk in his footsteps. And so, Lord, as we read these passages of Scripture, God, would you open up our eyes, help us to be more compassionate toward your creation. God, to love people the way you love them. And God, speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I spend a lot of time, uh, most of you know, I spend a lot of time just kind of out in the neighborhoods and about, and not only in Albany, but in a lot of other towns. And uh, as I travel, I'm looking at people. But there was one trip that we took in 2018. As a matter of fact, it was to Haiti. I went to Haiti in 2016 with a group of people. Matter of fact, Ray, Ray Morris and a lot of people were there. Man, we had a great time. And then in 2018, we went back again to Haiti, and it was incredible. And I think they're going to pull up some pictures on the slides here. And so myself and three others, we took this trip to Haiti and it was incredible. We started out with 15, but we ended up with three. And I was like, Lord, do you still want us to go here? (laughs) But the Lord let us to go. So we got on that plane and we got off and we went 
uh, to a place called Carrefour and, and we started witnessing the people. I mean, as soon as we hit the ground, we just started witnessing the people. And you can see pictures of us witnessing the people on the street. And I mean, just regular people, witch doctors and just all kind of people. And we're just sharing the love of Jesus Christ. And so for about three days, we're walking through the city and we're talking to people. We're sharing the good news of the gospel and nobody gets saved. Now I said, God, I know only the Holy Spirit can save people. I can't do that. But Lord, we've been out here for three days sharing the gospel and no one's got saved. And then it came to me, a passage of scripture, Matthew 17. And he said, these things only go out by prayer and fasting. So our team, we started praying. We start fast and asking the Lord, Lord, would you do an incredible work in the hearts of the people here in Haiti? And one by one, we start seeing people getting saved. It was incredible. There was a guy who had escaped to one of the resort towns. We were out on the beach showing Courageous in the daytime. And as we were showing this movie, this guy walks up and he says, hey, uh, where are you guys from? He told him where we were from. He says, you know, I've been staying here. I almost killed a man in, in, in Port-au-Prince. He says, but I ran over here and something told me this morning, I need to come to the beach. And when I came to the beach, a man shared the gospel with me and he got saved. Nothing to do with us, all to do with Jesus Christ. But then we went back to the church and it was a great time, and I was, as I was walking into church, I was supposed to preach that day, and as I was walking into church, I see this man, and he's sitting at the entrance of the church, and he's weeping profusely, and I turned to him, and I said, sir, would you like to go inside? And, and, and he was just saying, no, no, and he's sitting there just weeping. This man didn't want a church. He needed the hope of Jesus Christ on the inside. I said, God, how, how can we as Christians just see a man like this and just walk right by and I'm looking at him and I'm thinking about our lives in the United States and how every day that we see people like this man that are hurting from the inside out and we walk right on by. Like nothing's wrong. Do we not realize that there's more of a need there than a physical need? People need to know the hope of Jesus Christ. So when I look at the scripture and I look at the example of this man and I look at everything else that's going on, I, I have to, Lord, help me in the scriptures to understand this. So if you have your Bible, turn into Matthew chapter 8. Look at what it says, and I'm going to go through multiple verses of Scripture here as we walk down back to chapter 9. Look at Matthew chapter. You have to see this for yourself. You've got to see this. This isn't something kid just made up before he got here. This is something that Jesus actually did for people. Look at this. Matthew chapter 8. He says, and when Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. He was coming down. He just finished the Beatitudes. And it says, and a leper came to him. 
bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I'm willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. But Jesus doesn't just stop there. Look in verse five. He says, and when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Do you see his? You see Jesus first talking to a leper, someone who, who society really banned. You can't even get close to them. And then in the same breath, he talks to a centurion, someone of high stature. Men around him, men under his charge. Jesus doesn't make any distinctions. And in 13, in, in verse 8, I'm sorry, it says, but the centurion said, Lord, I'm not even worthy for you to come underneath my roof. He said, but if you just say the word, <laughs> if you just say the word, my servant will be healed. In verse 13, it says, and Jesus said to the centurion, go and it shall be done to you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. But it doesn't just stop there. Look at verse 14. And when Jesus came into Peter's home, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick in the, see, mother-in-laws, amen. <laughs> amen. Laying sick with fever, he grabbed her by the hand and the fever left her and immediately she got up and started serving. Look again, keep looking at the scripture. Here it is. And in 16, when the evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and, and healed all those who were ill. Look at this. Jesus is stepping through the crowd with compassion, not looking at what's going on on the outside. He's seeing that there is a deep spiritual need on the inside. Lord, would you give us eyes to see that? And I'm going to give you a little, little hint here. Not even a hint, just a, little, just a little sermonette for Christianettes here. If you look at these verses, verses 1 through 16, in the first verse, you'll see the leper. He came on his own. There are people in our lives who they will hear the message of the gospel, and they will come running to Christ. But then also, there is a centurion. There are people in our lives who are not able to get here where we are to hear the word, but they need someone to intercede for them. That's what he did. And then there are people that right now in their life that are not in the right frame of mind. You call them, they're crying. They're thinking about suicide. They're thinking about throwing it all, throwing the towel in. And then I look at verse 16, and it says, when evening came, they brought to him, they brought to him, Jesus, many who were demon-possessed. There's some people in your life, they're not going to get it themselves. You're going to have to be the one to bring them to Jesus. Amen, somebody. You're going to have to be the ones that's going to get them to the point. Say, Jesus is what you need, and I'm going to tell you where you can find him. Amen. Amen. Jesus goes on. 
If you look at chapter, verse 28 in chapter 8, he says, And when he came to the other side to the country, the Gadarenes, two men who were demon-possessed, met him, who were coming out the tombs. Matter of fact, these men, the scripture says, these men were extremely violent men. Extremely violent men. That didn't stop Jesus. He still gave them healing as well. And I look in chapter 9, verse 1, it says, And getting into a boat, Jesus crossed over the sea and came to his own, and they brought to him a paralytic laying on a bed. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, Take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. Here again, you see people bringing others to Jesus. Verse 6 so that you know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, get up, pick up your bed and go home. And he got up and he went home. But it doesn't just stop there. If you look in verse 20, you see a woman. This is a very familiar story. A woman who is suffering with an issue of blood for 12 long years. Verse 21 says, for she was saying to herself, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, I'll get well. But Jesus turned to her and said, daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And at once the woman was made well. He goes on in verse 27. As Jesus went on, two blind men followed him crying out, have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind man came up to Jesus and said, do you believe that I can do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes saying, it shall be done unto you according to your faith. As they were going on, in verse 32, you see a mute man who was demon-possessed, and Jesus healed him. Do you see all of these pictures of the compassion of Jesus? He doesn't just look at the exterior. He looks at them with, with eyes and a heart of compassion. And my desire for me, I can't speak for anybody else, is that daily I will walk in the footsteps of Jesus. As I read these stories about people and how they're downcast, downtrodden, I would, lay, I would make sure my steps are in line with the master. And you know why? Because the steps that Jesus has taken are already proven. Amen. In the military, whenever you go through a minefield, They'll get one person out front. Usually that's the PFC, the, like the 18, 17-year-old person, and get him out front. They'll let him walk a path. And as he's walking that path, the people behind him will walk closely and stay within the footsteps. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. He said, I've laid the path out. I've set the example now, I want you, believers in Jesus Christ, to follow this example. Now, if you're not a believer, he doesn't expect for you to do that. But for those who are called by the name of Christ, this is now your responsibility. Let's go back to the word here. Now, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38, let's read this. Jesus was going throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease, every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. 
Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now, as I was doing this study of this particular passage and the words compassion, these words have actually different meanings in different parts of the Bible. When you look at particularly Old Testament, there's a word, it starts with compassion, it's compassion, but when you look at the word in the Hebrew, it's called kamel, and that word means an emotional response which may result in meeting a physical need or removing a person from a, different, a difficult situation. You will see this word used in Exodus chapter 2, verse 6. When Moses was first found, you will see this in 2 Samuel 21 and 7, when David, King David spared Mephibosheth. You will see this word being used, an emotional response to help meet a physical need or remove somebody. But then also, in the Old Testament, there is a word called raham. You will see it as compassionate, but it has a different meaning in its context. And this word means to love deeply or to have mercy. You'll see this also in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 3. It says, then the Lord your God will restore you from captivity. God is talking to the children of Israel and have compassion on you and will gather you again from all the peoples where the, where the Lord your God has scattered you. You'll see it again in 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 23. But the Lord was gracious to them and had compassion on them. You'll also see it again in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 8. In an outburst of anger, I hid myself from them. I hid my face from them. But with everlasting loving kindness, I will have compassion on you. This is what God is telling his people. But there is a word in this particular passage of scripture. Matthew chapter 9. Now this word, you're going to have to help me out here. Splachnitsomai. This word is a combination of the two words together. And this words mean to be moved down to your inner being, but not just to meet a physical need, but to see the relationship of people with God changed. And this is what Jesus was after. You see, it's not enough to give someone a meal, although that's necessary. To give them a meal and say, God bless you, and they go on the way. That's good. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us to do that. People will see your good works and glorify your Father that's in heaven. But also to go beyond that and say, listen, I see, I see that you want to feed me or you want to give me clothes, but also I want to see you be made whole in Christ. I want to see your relationship with the Father blossom. This is the type of compassion that Jesus was showing to people. And so when I look at this passage of Scripture and I, and I look at how Jesus responded, number one, Jesus was deeply moved because of their situation. Jesus was deeply moved because of their situation. He saw their lives, and he didn't just see a physical need that needed to be met, he saw a spiritual need that needed to be met. Number two, 
Jesus saw beyond the physical and saw the spiritual. Number three, Jesus did not see a social problem, but a spiritual harvest. Did not see a social problem, but a spiritual harvest. It would be very easy, as we often do in society, we see issues of life, we see issues in our community, and we say, why don't they do more about it? Why don't the police do some more about this? There's crime in my neighborhood, and man, I'm going to call 911 and get the police over here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that somebody defects, somebody knows about this. But I want to ask a question. Have you prayed? Have you sought the Lord about your community? Have you sought the Lord about the people that are in your community that you know don't know Christ? Have you labored on their behalf? And, 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 and this, this, this passage of Scripture, Jesus doesn't see this as a social problem saying, hey, this is something that we're going to have to deal with. He said, look, we need to pray for this. We need to pray for people. People need to be saved. Amen. When I see children at home with no father, there's a spiritual need that needs to be met. Yes, they need education. Yes, they need clothes. Yes, they need beds. But man, there is a spiritual need that needs to be met in this situation. And I'm not looking at the physical all the time. We're looking at the spiritual. Number four, Jesus directed the disciples to turn to the Lord. If you look at this particular passage of Scripture... He says, hey, listen, seeing the people, verse 36, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, he's telling you where to go, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So he's directing them to turn their attention to the Lord. And then verse five, uh, number five, Jesus asked for action. Jesus asked for action. Are we to just look at this and just walk on our way? Or are we to actually do something? Beseech the Lord of the harvest. Beseech him. Go to the Lord. Lord, please. Lord, I'm praying for this marriage in my neighborhood. Lord, will you soften the heart of this husband, soften the heart of this wife. Lord, I plead for them just like they were my own children. God, give us opportunities, open doors to share your goodness, share the compassion that you showed all of these other people in Scripture. God, can you help me to do that? So now the question is, how do we respond? How do we respond? Ask the Lord first to help us see the harvest. God, can you help us to see this harvest? You know, the Lord has blessed my family and I. He's been good. Very extremely, extremely good. I think many of you have heard the story. You know, we grew up in a house, and the room was probably about half the size of this section right here, maybe a little bit more. And sometimes when I drive home, I'm like, man, God, you didn't have to do this. You didn't have to. 
but he did. But then I am not just looking at, because it's very easy to go home, drive inside of my driveway, close the garage door, and me, my family, us four, no more. But God is not calling us to that. So I'm praying, Lord, give me eyes to see the people that need help. And listen, I'm not just talking about people who on the exterior look bad. Because to be honest, I've been in some places, in some homes, and I've seen some people that are very wealthy, and that's a blessing. But that are broken and bitter on the inside. Lord, give me compassion for those people. Help me to see beyond the exterior and to see what's going on on the inside so that the message of Christ can resonate in their hearts and that they could be at one with you. You see, that's the purpose. That's the purpose. If I just give someone a meal, that's great. I'm meeting a need. But when a person actually gives their life to Jesus and wholeheartedly follows him, you'll see some incredible fruit. The second thing here, as we ask the Lord to give us eyes to see the harvest, to bring them a message of the, the, the gospel message of hope and redemption, we're also asking the Lord to fill our hearts with compassion. Just as Jesus saw the people, help us to see them. Look at verse 36. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them. For, uh, uh, for them because they were distressed in spirit and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Now, when I, when I look at this particular verse, I see he says the harvest is plentiful. That means when I, when I think about harvesting, there is a piece of fruit that is ready to actually fall off the tree. It's ready. And what God is asking for is somebody to come in and actually pick the fruit, to pull the fruit down. Now, there is some fruit that when I go to the tree, it may not be completely ripe. And so I may have to leave it just a little while longer. But nevertheless, I'm checking it. That's what Jesus is asking us to do. See, it doesn't matter. You may be thinking, I need to make sure I know all of the Bible I need to make sure all these scripture verses are memorized, and then I'll be ready. Jesus is not asking for that. He's asking us to go. The harvest is plentiful. There's people already ripe, ready to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, but I'm looking for laborers. I'm looking for people who are willing to say, you know, what I have is not important. This man, this woman's life is more important than what I have to do. And I want to submit myself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and see them saved. Amen? Amen. Last point. Ask the Lord to move us to action for the cause of Jesus Christ. Move us to action. Verse 37 and 38 says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the, the workers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. 
if this is the message, if this is a command from Jesus, what makes it so difficult? If Jesus has called us as disciples to walk in his footsteps, and he is looking at people with compassion, he's feeling compassion for them, and he's meeting physical and spiritual needs, what keeps us from doing the same thing? I would ask you today, for every man and every woman in here, it's different. It's different. But if this is what Jesus is calling us to do, we've got to get busy doing it. We've got to get busy doing it. Having compassion for people. I love people. My wife can tell you, I'm looking, we go to Jacksonville, I'm riding, I'm thinking about hamburgers and everything, and all of a sudden I see a person in a tent, and I'm looking. Going through Atlanta, how many people been through Atlanta recently? Tents everywhere. How many people prayed? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest, beseech the Lord of the harvest, that he will send laborers into the vineyards. So as I pray today, if that's you, and you're saying, Lord, help me to have a heart of compassion. Lord, I've been so entangled in my own affairs. God, I see people and I drive right by. God, can you give me or grant me a heart of compassion? And I think, and I, and I can't say this is true or not, but I'm just thinking. You're saying, but this is going to cost me something. This is going to take out of my day. What if they try to take advantage of me? What, what, if, what if, Pastor, I do this all the time and, and people don't respond? That's not your issue. You're called to obey. You allow the Lord to take care of everything else, and I'm called to obey. You see, if I'm getting up in the morning, I'm having my prayer time, and I'm speaking to the Lord, and I'm spending time with him, and I'm praying that he would direct my footsteps for that day, anything that happens in that day is according to his will. He will be the one that judges rightly. Amen? So if you are here today and you're saying, you know what? I, Lord, I need a heart of compassion. I just, just don't have it anymore. I've been burned. I've been wronged. People have hurt me, taken all my money, and I just don't think I can do that anymore. Yes, you can. For the simple fact that you are, you are within earshot of this message, God is saying that you can and maybe you're here today and you need to feel the compassion of Jesus. You're one of the people that I mentioned as we were walking through chapter 8. You're saying, I really, really need the love of Jesus in my life. I'm so bitter, so angry, so depressed, and I need a change. And I know I'm just here visiting for Thanksgiving, but man, this message is hitting me right in the gut. And I need to know Jesus. So as the worship team is coming, we're going to pray. 
And as I pray, if that's you, if that's you, listen, come to the Lord. Lay it down on the altar, whether you need compassion, healing, or you need to know Jesus Christ for the very first time. There will be pastors that will be standing in the aisles waiting for you if you need prayer. If you need healing, you want to be healed in Jesus' name. They'll be here to pray for you. Amen? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this message of compassion. And God, as Jesus walks through different areas, we see him stopping and touching and seeing people right where they are, both physically and spiritually. Lord, help me to be that person. God, I don't want to just love this superficial love or a performance-based love. God, help me to love compassionately like Jesus loved. And so, Lord, I pray that as people are in this room, if their hearts have been hardened, if, if they feel like this is not a place or this is not a thing that they want to do. God, you don't give us options. You tell us to do this. I pray that they will leave it all on the altar. God, would you speak to their hearts in an incredible way? And God, for the man or woman who's in this room, who needs to feel the compassion of Jesus, I pray that today will be their day. I pray that this hour will be their hour when they completely give themselves over to you because their lives will be forever changed. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in this church. We thank you for what you're doing in this city. But Lord, would you please give us hearts of compassion to love your people the way you love them. In Jesus' name. If you're here this morning, would everyone stand to your feet? If you're here this morning, you're hearing the Lord's call. Don't wait one more second, one more moment. Come out, put it all down on the altar. This is what the Lord is calling us to do.
time of response, let's, let's pray and go to the Lord. Father, as Pastor Ken has challenged with us, before us today, Father, Lord, I ask that you give us eyes to see the harvest that you see. Father, would you work in our hearts to draw us closer to your heart you care for people you want to provide not just for physical means but father that something that means so much more eternity is on the line so father help us to see that and lord i pray whatever is holding us back that you would tear down those walls and barriers and draw us to action to be faithful father and what you call us to do. Father, oftentimes in a message like this, we're thinking of all the things that have gone on in our lives, but Father, your kingdom is just different than the kingdom of this world. See, in your kingdom, you use suffering. You use pain. You use disappointment and heartbreak. And Father, you turn those things upside down you help us to fight for joy in those. And then you give us a platform to speak into the lives of others. May we never forget what you have done and what you're going to do as we follow after you, Lord. We thank you for today, God. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As Ken said, whatever your next step is, if the Lord is continuing to prompt you, we would love to meet you out in our atrium. There'll be some pastors there and some lay leadership to be able to, to help you in what God is calling you to at our Next Step desk. If you're joining us online, we thank you for being here today as well. You can follow those prompts on your screen and 
um, speak to us. And so we'll see you back tonight at 6 o'clock. If we're in the room, we want to thank you because we know uh, that this week has brought in a lot um, who are new to Sherwood. And so we're thankful for you being here today. Church family, is this true? Amen. I want to thank you for being here. Um, we would love nothing more than be able to connect with you as a church family. You can join us right outside at our welcome desk to your left as you exit out into the atrium. We have a gift for you to help you connect uh, to our church family. And then uh, tonight's uh, service, we begin with House of Prayer at 530 in this room. We would love to have you here and continue to ask the Lord to move in only a way that he can through his Holy Spirit. Well, that starts at 530 in this room tonight, and service is at 6. And so we want to see you back. And then lastly, uh, you might have caught the video at the very beginning, but we have amazing opportunity coming up with our Wonder Christmas concert. There's a lot of people that are working very hard um, to build this platform of music, but ultimately we want to have an opportunity to be able to share the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ into the lives of those who don't know him. And so we want you to go out in the atrium if you haven't grabbed any yet. There's some uh, invite cards. This will be one of the easiest opportunities to be able to just simply reach out and invite people to church. So we want you to do that. We'll see you back here at 530. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sabbath day.